This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, September 17th, 2019. And we know the news of the day can and often does affect the market. It does every day. And, of course, a good example of that was Sunday when the bombing uh, on the Saudi Arabia oil production facilities. And Monday, the oil prices surged 16%. But prices fell back a little bit today. So the news drives the market on a short-term basis. And this makes makes it very difficult as a, a beginner investor to try to, well, what, why is it going up? Why is it going down? Because there's so many variables that can move the market. Because I've said this before, on a short-term basis, the market is like a spoiled child. It could be rational, it could be kicking and screaming, it could do whatever it wants to do on a short-term basis. On long-term, it's like a very calm adult. It market goes up when earnings go up. So, you know, the day-to-day news can drive it up and down and may have really no effect on the market overall in the long run. And that happens all the time. So, you know, commodity price like oil shoots up and the price gets crazy, the market's not going to like it. Frankly, I thought the reaction was pretty mild. Pretty, pretty mild. Our market was pretty mild. Anyways... I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will call me with your investing questions, anything financial we'll talk about. And if you make the time to make the call, that question drives the show in the direction that you want it to go. And this is what this show is all about, answering your questions, not talking about what I want to talk about, but helping you answer the questions that come to your mind about managing money, trying to grow grow your wealth, try to achieve that financial freedom goal. Everybody has it. Everybody does. How do I? And some people have it very different than other people. For instance, some people's financial freedom is to live off the grid and on barely any income at all, but they're financially free. They don't worry about, they don't have to worry about money anymore. See, so it's different for everybody. So today I'm hoping to get you there, get to that goal. We're going to work at it. It takes time and it and it's not going to happen, you know, within the next year or two. I'm not going to get, you're not going to get rich quick listening to the show. That's not how it acts. That's not how it works. And you're not going to win the lottery. We don't, us normal people don't win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, that's for other people. But anyways, we're live. You can answer ask your questions now. The number is 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART. Real quickly, I'll remind you that I will be doing portfolio reviews tomorrow, New York City, and the day after. Not day, tomorrow. Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow, I fly out to New York. But Thursday and Friday, all day, fully booked, and I will be meeting with people. But I do have new dates, new dates and these are no-cost portfolio consultations, and you can register early if you want. I'll be on October 10th. I will be back in San Jose, California, and then I'll be back on my second trip in New York on November 7th. November 7th. I'm hoping for some nice, cool fall weather then. Remember, these are personalized evaluations. I look at your particular situation and ask questions and explore your goals, your financial freedom goals, and how how you and I can try to help each other get there for you. That's what it's all about. It's not, you know, and if 
KPP Financial with their, our programs can help you? Well, fine. If they can't, that's fine too. I will sit and talk to you. People are surprised that I do that for free. I do that on the phone. I do it in person. Uh, you know, I don't know why. I like doing it. So, anyways, if you want to register to meet with me, go to investtalk.com. Send me an email. Sign up. You can do it in many different ways. My main talking point today concerns a trade standoff, which has been going on for some time. China. China has been restrained in its tariff retaliation. But investors should not underestimate its ability to endure and deliver economic pain. China's unplayed Trump card. And we'll talk about that. What's that? What's their unplayed Trump card? And will they play it? I don't know if they will or not, but they could. And, of course, I got other talking points I want to discuss. Um, uh, the Deutsches Bank warns about economies. Deutsches Bank. We'll talk about what they're warning. Will, will uh, oil prices send the world into recession? Maybe they went up sharply. Will that send us the world into recession? Could it? We'll see that. We'll, have to, we'll explore that. And, you know, you all heard about the strike, right? The GM strike, 50,000 workers. I want to talk about unions for a bit. You know, don't think that I'm against unions. I'm not. I'm not. I know people think, oh, he doesn't like it. No, I think unions are necessary. I, I worry about some of the corruptions in the unions. And, you know, you, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but there's quite a few union uh, union leaders are in jail now or will be in jail shortly, more of them. And I have personally, I was in a union many years ago, retail clerks union, and I'm always amazed at how the union leaders had all the brand new cars and really had a high life. And where was that money coming from? Anyways, but unions are necessary, and I'll explain what I mean. And some people may disagree with me that they're necessary, but I want to, I'll give you my two cents worth, and of course you can respond. Be happy to talk to you and listen to your side. So that's what we're going to discuss How'd the market do today? The Dow was up 34 after being down most of the day. The Nasdaq ended up down two points, but it was down much more than that. And the S&P was up eight. So it was a mixed market, but more on the upside than downside. So that's what we're going to discuss. And of course, your calls come first. And I'm going to talk to Tyler in San Diego. He wants to talk about, talk about paying student loans or should he invest in his 401k? I've had this question many times. How you doing, Tyler? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for the call. Yeah, so I'm just straight out of college, you know, got a job, started contributing to my 401k and IRA, and I've got my student loans to pay off as well. And some of my coworkers right. are telling me I should be maxing out my 401k, and I'm wondering if I should do that at the expense of taking a longer time to pay off my student loans at around 5%. <laughs> Okay, so the real question is, and it is, what is the best use of your money, right? Is is it better to pay off that loan or pay it down faster, or is it better to put it in a 401k? So let me ask a couple of questions. Does your 401k, your employer, match any of your contributions to the 401k? Yeah, so right now, that's what I was stopping. I was capping it at the amount that they would max, but people are telling me that, that I should go above that in order to max it out. That's not necessarily so. Do they match at 4% or is it higher? They match 
100% of the first 4% and half of the next four. So they're they're putting up six when I put up eight. Okay. I think that's plenty. Okay. And you're getting free money. You know, if you when you match dollar for dollar, that's 100% return on your money with no risk. So, of course, you're going to max out that free money. Um, but I don't necessarily agree with maxing out your total contribution. And if you were, if you didn't have the student loans, I might say, heck yeah, max it out if you can. How much is the loan costing you an interest rate? How much does that cost? About 5% and I'm coming out with 25. So, uh, you know, 1200 or something a year. Okay. What I would yeah, okay, so 5% is kind of right there where you really want to pay it down soon, as soon as you possibly can. But at the same time, you know, I don't want you to... Remember, if you pay off 5% and you're not paying anymore, it's almost like you're making 5%, right? Because you're not paying it anymore. So it's a guaranteed return. On the other hand, you want to max out your 401k because you got a 100% return on the, the, uh, the contributions up to, what, 4.5% or whatever it is for them. So, you know, it's always a tough question. My always recommendation is to pay as much as you can on your loan, trying to get that out of, get out of that, get that, get that behind you. But at the same time, contribute to your 401k and at least match the, the, the match what the employer matches. You're doing a little bit better than that. So I wouldn't necessarily go up higher. I would work on the loan. Okay, but I wouldn't I wouldn't cut my contributions to the four hundred one K, but I would not I would work on getting that loan paid off. That's what I would do. Thanks for the call, Tyler. That was a good question. I appreciate that. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and let me remind you that Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays provide a daily dose of market news with unbiased commentary. And we have a fairly new offering, Invest Talk Academy. It's an online training class covering a wide variety of financial investment subjects in depth. You can learn more about it on investtalkacademy.com. We're headed into the break, and I'm taking your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Talk. In only two days... Steve Peasley will be meeting with listeners in New York City to show them how they could improve the performance of their portfolios. And he's added a return visit date for New York, November 7th. Learn more and register for your no-cost portfolio review now at investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART. Love to talk to you. Ask any financial questions that come to your mind. Be happy to talk about that. So what happened in the news today? What's going on? Here's some of the numbers, benchmark numbers I usually go over. Gold was up. Uh, gold, gold is at $1,509 per ounce. It had a pretty good year. It surged up yesterday, but it's had a pretty good year. Look at the performance for the year. And for those who've been listening to me for a while, you know me and Justin have been talking about gold. We talked about it most of the last half of last year saying, Gold is going to have a run, and I can't tell you when. And the dollar kept getting stronger, and that's gold doesn't usually go up when the dollar gets stronger. But this year, dollar's gone up, gold has gone up. Pretty unusual. Two-year Treasury is at one point seven three percent, and the ten years of one point eight oh five. So the yield curve is normal. Remember, it was a couple of weeks where it was inverted, and that's always bad news. 
Oil got to $59.02 per barrel, but the price wavered up and down, reflecting a 6% pullback from yesterday's jump. Now, remember, it's up, what, 13 14% yesterday. Regular-grade gasoline is priced at $2.59 per gallon as on a nationwide basis, but if you live and drive in California, you got to add about a buck. Premium about three seventeen on average. Uh, diesel two ninety three. Anyways, we are very likely on a holding pattern in our market, the stock market, until the Fed meets tomorrow. And I'm pretty sure that Fed's going to lower rates. And I do believe that's priced into the market. I don't think the market's going to react too much to it. On an upside, it's not going to go, oh, good. I think people already built that into the market. I think that's one of the reasons why it's gone up the last couple of weeks. Because everybody's anticipating that the Fed's going to raise, going to lower the interest rate. Lower it. And do you know how much it costs to rent an apartment in San Francisco? The medium rent price is now $3,700 per month. $3,700 per month. So millennials who want to buy, especially in high-priced markets like California, have to look at different markets, emerging kind of markets that don't have these high prices. That means they got to commute a long way. And so, you know, that's what's happening is they there's lots of commuting. That's one of the reasons. Have you ever driven in San Francisco or Silicon Valley at rush hour? It's crazy. It's such a mess. You know, I think L.A. is a mess. And it is. Trust me, it is. I don't drive there very often. But, man, that, that uh, the, the corridor, corridor around uh, Silicon Valley is just crazy at rush hour. Got to be crazy to want to drive there. Of course, yeah, some people have to. You have to. Okay, you are listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and, of course, I represent the, I present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday. And it is broadcast and streamed live at the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time. I hope you will tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. Justin Klein and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive for you. And whenever you have investment questions, I encourage you to explore our podcast library. So search, listen, subscribe, and rate us. We'd love to do that. You can do that through iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. We have some important calendar dates for you. First, Steve Peasley is taking reservations for his no-cost portfolio reviews. The next availability will be October 10th in San Jose and then November 7th in New York City. And the next KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference will be held in Irvine, California on October 12th. That is a Saturday. You can learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Hey guys, big fan of the podcast. I wonder if you would tell me if you think Budweiser, that's ticker symbol B-U-D, if it's a good time to buy. I've been looking at the chart. Uh, It seems to have bottomed out and showed some strength. Uh, There hasn't been a double bottom, so I'm not quite sure what to do. Uh, At any rate, I'd love to know if you think it's a good time to buy Bud, B-U-D. This would be for a relatively long play. I have faith in the company long term but I'd like to think, uh, find out if it's a good time to buy it now. Thanks so much, guys. Keep up the good work. 
Well, you're going to be disappointed because the answer is going to be no. I don't think it's a good time to buy this right now. Budweiser, everybody, B-U-D, believe it or not, it's a Belgium company, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, because, you know, they were purchased InBev and Anheuser-Busch combined. Uh, they manufacture over 500 beer brands, sold primarily under the Budweiser and Stella Artois brands and many, many others. The reason why I say that is it's moved up from a low made in, right at the beginning of the year of like $66, $65, and now it's at 96 almost $97 today. So it's made a big move up, okay? And, and the earnings are not justifying it. The sales growth is flat to shrinking over the last five, six quarters. So that's not growing. Uh, they're going to make $4.89 next year. So that means this P.E. ratio is like $21, $22 per uh, P.E. That's not cheap. The low range for this one is 16 to 46 It's on the lower price end, but it's not cheap. If it paid, it's a big, huge company, $159 billion. If it paid a decent dividend, that would give me a reason to say, well, yeah, you could buy it and just hold on to it and wait for, you know, the growth to come back. And I'm sure it will. They'll do something. But they're only paying 1.6% dividend yield. It's too weak, too small. That, that dividend, the company is very strong, but the dividend is weak. It's not strong enough to justify. I mean, they have a huge cash flow of $6.73 a share. They have a lot of debt. But I just can't, I, I need you to wait for it to be a bargain before you buy it. And it's a much better bargain where if it went back and retested those lows at the beginning of the year. And I think that's a possibility. So I would say, no, it's not a good time to buy. Okay. Thanks for the question, though. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Apple is investing $250 million in a corning glass facility in Hard, Harrodsburg, Harrodsburg, Kentucky, Harrodsburg. Okay, that's where they make the glass for the iPhones. They manufacture that. Is it still called Gorilla Glass? I don't know. But that's where they make it. So it was a, it was a Corning Glass facility. And so they bought it. Last year, 2018, Apple spent over $60 billion with over 900 U.S. supplier manufacturers. This was in 36 different states, and Apple has supply chain partners in all 50 states. So they make a lot of stuff here in the United States. Of course, we all know their iPhones are manufactured in Asia, China, but a lot of other products are not. And part of those iPhones are also manufactured here, different parts. Apple's uh, shares were at $220, and just so you know, Apple is one of the stocks we own in our couple of our managed accounts and have for many years now. Let's see if we can fit another caller question about life insurance from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm calling because um, I have some questions about whole life insurance. I typically have heard that it's a bad idea. We're starting to have a family, but financial advisor had brought it up as a suggestion for a tax-deferred strategy considering that we've maxed out our simple IRAs and cannot contribute to Roth IRAs because we're married filing separately because we have heavy student loan debt. So I was wondering what your thoughts were and I really appreciate all the uh, advice that you give on the show. Thank you. Bye. Okay, whole life, universal life, and term life. Those are three basic kinds of insurance, life insurance. I'm not a big fan of whole life and universal life. I am a fan of term life. But even more basic than that, 
You have to have a need for life insurance, and that need should be replacing one of the incomes of the family if, if that person dies. Uh, you have a mortgage you need to pay off. You got children that need to be need help in raising if one of the partners passed away. So therefore, you need life insurance. My preference is always term life, and then use the difference in premium that you're going to pay for that whole life and universal life and invest it. Invest that money and you'll say, do the math and you figure out normal returns versus the whole life, universal life, that you'll do a lot better. Now, he's talking about the benefits of the tax, uh, the tax uh, deferment of that. And I don't think that's a, that, remember, it's a tax deferment. So as the whole life and universal life policy grows on every year and grows year to year to year, the taxes that you're going to owe, capital gains taxes, is building on that policy. Build, building, 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 building. And you're going to have to pay it all at one time when you want to cash it in? That's, I have never talked to anybody that was very happy about that. So be very careful. Okay. Um, America's Strategic Petroleum Reserve is the largest supply of emergency oil in the world. The idea is to provide the United States with oil in the event of a long-term spike in prices. Right? Our military conflict. In which year was the, fisc- the first oil for the reserve purchase for our oil reserve? How much hundreds of millions of barrels of oil stored? How? How are they stored? I'll have the answer right after the break. 888-99-CHART. This is Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Talk hosts... Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Okay, the trivia question we had before the, the break. In which year was the first oil for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve purchased? So when did it start? And how are the hundreds of millions of barrels stored? All that oil stored somewhere, how? Here's the answer. The reserve helps preserve oil and gasoline prices stability in the U.S. because they can release it at times if they want to control some prices. The federal government interest in creating the reserve began after the Arab oil embargo in 1973, something I remember very well because I was buying gasoline for my car back then. And 1973, which, purchased ga- which pushed gas prices up sharply and threatened the U.S. economy. At that time, the oil embargo did. The first oil for the reserve was purchased in 1977. 
Okay, that, that was the first time that they purchased oil for the reserve. Today, the oil stored underground in nearly 500 salt domes because rock salt is impervious to liquid gas and inert petroleum. Did you know that? Inert. It can't it doesn't penetrate it. After the recent drawdown, the reserve was 250 million barrels of sweet crude and 394 million barrels of sour crude. Sweet crude is low in, low in sulfur and is primarily fine to produce gasoline. Do you know when we had the last massive release of crude from the reserve? It was in 1991, during Operation Desert Storm. Conflicts in the Middle East had disrupted oil markets back then, if you remember right. Now we are pretty much oil independent. We still buy it, though, from different places, but we export it some of it too that we produce ourselves. Well, I understand that you know we we produce a lot of sour oil which needs to be refined. We don't have the refining capacity to do that all of it. So it, you know it's oil's traded in U.S. dollars around the world. So we're affected by supply disruption, just not as much as we used to be. My main talking point today concerns the trade-off. China's unplayed Trump card. Well, what does that mean? Well, this is an article there's, that's suggesting that, you know, there's we got the trade war going with China. China's having its, uh, what it's what they call it, October holiday? What are they? It's a big, one of their hugest holidays out there. October 1st, National Day, they call it. It's like, to them, it's like they're, they're three, our three best holidays combined, okay? It's really a big deal. So China may not want a trade war discussion and get involved with, with all those back and forth negotiations before their big national holiday. This is what, this is what may be pushing them to talk about having a meeting afterwards, because then we don't do anything beforewards, right? We don't add tariffs or anything else. So the question is, are they playing President Trump? When and are they now going to afterwards, after their big holiday celebrations and everything else, are they going to say mm, no deal? I can I can see them doing that. Remember, we're talking about China. Yes, it may hurt them financially. It may hurt them big time financially. But they can take it. They'll they they're not they're not driven by politicians or getting reelected or anything like that. They don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. So they could very easily come back in October and and, and say. No, we're not going to play this. We're not going to do this. Uh, we're done. Uh, and we're going to put tariffs on all the stuff you ship to us. And we're going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And just start the big battle over again. And, you know, we just never come to terms. I think that's a possibility. So uh, is that going to happen? Well, you know, that's what negotiation is all about. These are tough negotiations. If you don't play like you're going to play to win, if they know that if your opponent in any negotiations know you're not doing it for real, or they know you have a weak hand, or they know that you're going to fold, and China could easily play this card knowing that Trump is, needs to get reelected or wants to get reelected, knowing he wants this feather in his hat to say, I see, I put this deal together and we're much better off. What if they decide they don't want to play this game? What if China doesn't trust Trump? 
I mean, that's possible. Right? What if they don't trust him? So, and they don't want to do a deal with him. Possible. So, it's kind of an interesting, well, this is all going to play out, you know, into this year, but more into next year. I just don't think we're going to have a trade deal in October. I don't think, I don't see that happening. That would be surprise. I would be surprising. My main talking boy today. That was it. China's unplayed trump card. Is there, Are they going to play it? Okay, here's another timely question for listeners. It concerns ETFs, and it came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Absolutely love your podcast. Just a quick question. Um, there are ETFs, obviously, which uh, track uh, the S&P 500. There are ETFs which track the inverse of the S&P 500. And there are ETFs that track both of these with a the multiplier attached. I know of existence an ETF where it will, if the S&P goes up by 1%, ETF will go up by 3%, so by a factor of three. And if the long-term track record for the stock market is always on the uptrend year after year, um, you know, over long periods, why would I not buy that and triple my gains over 10, 20, 30 years? Um, I understand that with these, there may be tracking errors, but it's my understanding that they are very slight tracking errors. Just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Thanks, and I'll listen for your response on the podcast. Cheers. Bye. Okay, he's talking about leveraged ETFs. So let's say, let's pick one, the S&P 500. So you have an ETF that is follows the S&P 500. SPY is the most common. But they're also leveraged. Uh, pro funds have leverage. They had two times and three times the S&P 500. So he's asking, well, if the S&P 500 has a, a long track record of going up over time, and we're talking hundreds of years, why not just buy the triple leveraged one and go up three times? Okay. You would think that that would work, but it won't. It will not act that way. Do the if you do the math. Let's say it's a uh, hundred. The S and P is at a hundred, just to give pick a number, and it goes down to fifty. It goes down fifty percent. If you had an ETF to track three times that, how fast? How far would it go down? It can't go below zero, so it'd be gone. Right? Done. Gone. So even though it might go down 50% one year and then up 100% another year, what if you don't have any money? What if it's worthless and it has no value? Three times zero is still zero. Besides, there is a tracking error. And tracking error gets, it can be, if there's other things could happen. It doesn't have to go down that much. It could go sideways, up and down, up and down, up and down, sideways. Just do the math. It goes down 10%. It has to go up 11 point something percent to get back to being even. So if it goes down 10% and so 300%, it's down 30%. So now how much does it have to go up? Remember, it's a three-time leverage. It has to go up to get back to being even. And what if it keeps doing that, fluctuating on the downside? See, these things have not been tested enough on the downside. What if there's a run of everybody wanting to get out of their ETFs? What happens to the ETFs that's leveraged? Let's say, let's say the market, people got scared and wanted to sell out of their index funds, including the leveraged funds. Would they have enough money? Would, would the, would, see, there's problems. You have to understand how the leverage ETFs are constructed. So I would not recommend that. Very high risk. Good question, though. 
888-99-CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I I think it is safe to assume that you're serious about investing or you wouldn't be listening to the show. You want to grow your wealth. We all do, right? And of course we do. But you also have to understand the risk. Like we just talked about that ETF. What kind of risk is involved in this asset that I bought? And I, I fear that a lot of people have been getting used to since 2009, the market's gone up, have been getting very used to very little risk. And every time the market's corrected, it's come back pretty quickly. Well, that's not necessarily normal. But we've seen abnormal for so long, it feels like it's normal. This is a big concern of mine. That's why you have to understand the, the perception of risk. The risk in your portfolio, the risk that you're taking. Okay, and of course, we have an online tool that helps you determine that at investtalk.com. We call it Riskalyze. It's a risk questionnaire. It's really short. You can check it out. Just take the questionnaire and answer the few questions and you know, score your risk from 0 to 100. And just so you know, 80 is the risk of the S&P 500, right around 80. So if you want to do that, take the risk questionnaire, go to investtalk.com. And I am now taking your calls. If you want to ask a question here live on the program, my number is 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. For serious investors interested in improving their ability to build financial freedom, we have an important invitation to a new KPP Wealth Management Conference. Earning yield in a no-yield world. Investing in real estate, stocks, and bonds. Speakers will include Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, and they'll be joined by real estate experts and a trust attorney. The October 12th conference in Irvine, California, will cover these topics understanding real estate investing, from buy and hold to vacation rentals and land banking, how the trade war and economic trends will affect stocks and bonds ways to increase your income potential and defer taxes using trusts, and a lot more. Seating is limited to 50 attendees. Sign up early to get reduced pricing. Tell your friends the newest KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference is set for October 12th. Learn more and sign up now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, uh, Deutsches Bank. Okay, they warn of a worldwide recession. They're saying recession is coming, and the 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 uh, warning signs of it are being ignored by market participants, stock market participants. They think the market should be 13% lower than it is. Now, frankly, I don't understand that thinking at all. How can they pick a particular number? You know, that's just a pure guess. Yeah, they can, they can, okay, you can use statistics to say whatever you want, but the market doesn't do, doesn't do statistics. It goes where it wants to go. You can only look backwards and say, this is what it's done in the past. Therefore, I'm projecting it might do that in the future. And that's pretty difficult. One of the, wor- one of the worries they said that no one's paying attention to is the ISM, Institute of Supply Managers, reports. And that they're saying here in the U.S. that it's been not very good the last couple of months. And everybody just kind of shrugs it off. 
They're also saying that the slowing growth of jobs, still jobs are growing, but they're saying the slowing growth is being ignored. Because it was 2.5% growth last year, and this year it's only 1.3% growth in number of new jobs. I'm thinking, okay, we have full employment. We have more jobs than our workers. How can they produce more? (laughs) So I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) I understand that. But trust me, you've heard me talk about a recession, but I don't know if I'm buying into what they're saying. And he says says that the fate of our economy, the fate of our economy rests on the trade deal with China. Now, I think that if you want the economy to grow fast, you've got to have a trade deal, and I agree with that. But if we don't get it, that doesn't mean the economy is going to tank. Okay, let's go to Art Menlo Park. How are you doing, Art? Good, Steve. How are you today? I am good. Thank I, you for the call. I just wanted to find out um, if uh, Kraft Heinz is a good buy at this point because it seems like it's bottomed out and it's, it's uh, trying to break uh, upwards. Yeah, it is. It looks like it has put put in a bottom. It trades sideways for months and then fell from 32 all the way down to 25 in like three or four days, all because of earnings, bad earnings, I guess. And it, But it's been now back, it's back up to 28.36. So it looks like it may have put in a bottom. It is a, you know, it's a $28.38 stock and they're going to make $2.62 this year. And about the same amount next year. Sales growth is flat to shrinking. So it's a $35 billion company. You're not going to buy this company because of growth. Okay? Kraft Heinz Company. Kraft. H-K-H-K-H-C. Makes food products, beverages, cheeses, convenience food, grocery products, and sold worldwide. You're going to buy this stock because the dividend yield is 5.6%. That's going to hold up the price very well. And it was $54 a year ago, and here it is now at $28. So I think this is a good area, Art. I do think it's a good area. You might get some weak, short-term weakness given back some of the recent gains, but I, I think this is a good area to buy it as long as you're focusing on that dividend because they have plenty of cash flow to keep paying it. So Art, I, I do kind of, kind of like it. Thanks, Card. Appreciate the call. Okay, um, uh, Ray, hold on. You'll be next. I got to take this quick break. Okay, so hang on, please. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. That's it, just the one. And our work will continue after this break. So get your questions in now. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. On the next Invest Talk, the federal government is seriously considering issuing a 50 year bond. The objective to widen credit spreads. Will this happen? And is it a good idea? That story tomorrow. But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888 99 Chart. Okay, 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Ray in San Jose. How you doing, Ray? Hi, Steve. Thanks. Uh, thank you for the great show. I have a couple of questions if you have time. One is sure. uh, regarding the deferred uh, compensation plan. 
Mm-hmm. I want yes. to know if it's a good idea to participate in this plan through the company or not. And then usually the it is. Time, like, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, usually deferred compensation, everybody, is that you know you are you are owed the money, the company will pay you, but you can defer it. You can defer it, and why would you do that? Because then it can be invested. You can defer it and not pay taxes on it, and you know you actually grow your money. So there's nothing wrong with the most deferred compensation packages that I've ever seen. So yeah, I kind of like them depending on what it says and how they're structured, Ray. So yes. You said, okay. did you have another question? Then, yeah, the other one is regarding the stock APU Apple Peter umbrella. I want to see if it's a good idea to buy long-term investment. AP is in Paul and U. APU. Okay. APU Ameriglass uh, Partners. Hmm. Let me take a quick look. I'm punching it into the uh, computer. APU. Hmm. Okay. Um, something up with this stock. Um, it looks like it stopped trading in the middle of August. Did someone buy this out? Did uh, it doesn't look like it exists anymore all on its own someone may have purchased this i'm not pulling nothing what's the name of the company is it is it ameriglass partners limited partnership i'm uh, anyways it's not trading now it's it's gone sideways i think someone may have purchased it yeah so no it's not something that you want to be involved in right now and it's a limited partnership you want to stay away from limited partnerships in the stock market um, the, you, you really do. Um, Amerigas? Yes, Amerigas Partners. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah Amerigas Partners. Something's happened. It's the trading is suspended back in the middle of uh, August. So, uh, and I'm not getting any information on it right out right as on my, the screens that I have. So I'd stay away from it. I don't know what's wrong, but something's something's up with the company. So stay away from it, please. Thank you, Ray. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278 is our number. Um, Will surging oil prices, they've gone up 13% yesterday, but they fell 6% today. Will surging oil prices send the world economy into recession? The answer is yes, it could, but not yet. One reason is we're already dealing with a weak world economy. So if oil prices spike, go up, it will make them even weaker. Okay, and in the last six out of the eight times that oil prices have increased 100%, 100% from a base to increase 100%, the last six out of eight times it's done that, a recession or at least a major slowdown in the economies have happened. Okay, so has that happened? Has it doubled? Has it increased in 100%? To do that, it would, it's going to have to go to $100 a barrel because last year it was around $50 a barrel. So it has to go to $100 a barrel to, to be a 100% increase, and that's when six out of eight times that we would have a, a either recession or a slowdown. We don't have that. That's not happening. 
What's much more important, checking out, we're waiting for, uh, for uh, uh, looking out or trying to determine whether a recession is going to happen, much more reliable is looking at a credit squeeze, credit contraction. That's why the 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 the, um, the uh, Federal Reserve is lowering interest rates. That's why Europe, Europe and Japan have negative interest rates. They're trying to avoid a credit squeeze. They're trying to put money in the system. Because when you have a credit squeeze, much more common to have a recession. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestOut program. Dustin will be here tomorrow and Thursday, because I'm going to be in New York, right? I'll be in New York. I will be here next week, though. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.